welcome back to This Week in Video Games. It's episode 103. My name is Tom Kershaw and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. Well, this week I've been playing Mario Strikers Battle League Football and really, really loving what I've been playing so far. I've also been checking out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge plus the Vampire Survival game V Rising. As well as the games, I've been checking out the Summer Games Fest and noting down some of the best games that we should be getting excited about, so I'm going to bring you 10 of the best later on in the show. Well, it is a jam-packed show as always, so let's get to it. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. And Summer Games Fest has been dominating the game's press over the last few weeks with Xbox and Bethesda having quite a strong showcase last Sunday. So now all the major announcements are done, I'm going to be bringing you 10 highlights I've seen over the showcases and put together a list of 10 games that you should get excited about. I've also been checking out some of the early games as part of Steam's Next Fest, and one of those is called Old Skies, and it is the new game from Wadget Eye Games, definitely something that fans of point-and-click adventure games should be getting excited about. And also, I've been finally getting into V Rising, the new vampire survival game currently in early access. So I'll bring you my thoughts of that later on in the show. So all that, plus Mario Strikers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, all to come on a very busy episode of the podcast. Before we get into it, it'd be great if you could leave a review over there on Apple Podcasts. really helps the podcast get some more eyes on it. I do have a link in the podcast description if you like the show and want to leave a review, I'd really, really appreciate it. Plus, I'll read out that review on a future episode of the podcast. And also, if you want to support the show further, check out This Week in Video Games on Patreon and check out all of the Patreon benefits. Okay, that is my waffly intro out of the way, so let's get into what I've been playing this week. So this week, I've been playing Mario Strikers, the updated football game, which is basically FIFA crossed with Mario Kart, and that one is from Nintendo. It's a really, really good game, and it's got its hooks right into me. I'm going to bring you that review first up in the show. Well, another game I've been looking forward to has been released, and that one is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. I was a huge fan of the Turtles when I was a kid, and this one is a hefty dose of nostalgia. It's great fun, plus it's on Game Pass too. So if you've got that service, it's very easy to check out. But first up, let's check out my review of Mario Strikers Battle League Football. Well, it's been a while since we've been able to kick around a football as Mario and Nintendo made the surprising announcement early in 2022 that Mario and friends would be back in Mario Strikers Battle League football this summer. So we may not have the World Cup this summer, but Mario Strikers is a perfectly fine replacement when it comes to action on the football field. Well, if you're new to the concept of Mario Strikers Battle League football, then think of it something like FIFA crossed with Mario Kart and you pretty much have the concept of the game. It's five-a-side football with Mario, Luigi, Donkey Kong, Bowser and Co. Plus you've got a whole bunch of items like shells, banana skins, hyper shots. So you've got no referee and it's all surrounded by an electrified fence. And it's really high-octane stuff and especially good fun when you play with a group of friends. This is a franchise that Nintendo has not touched in about 15 years. So it's a welcome surprise when they announce the game will be coming during their Nintendo Direct earlier in 2022. Well, Mario Strikers may look on the surface like a button-mashing football title, but, to be honest, it is absolutely far from it. 
It's surprisingly easy to pick up, but it has some welcome depth to it. You know, this is 5v5 play, so you've got four outfield players with an AI-controlled goalkeeper. So you've got power shots, dodges, passes. Then you've got chaotic special moves, otherwise known as hyperstrikes. They're very, very hard to stop. And you can score two goals rather than a single one. You know, it really is end-to-end -end stuff. It doesn't really feel like football because of the size of the pitch. You know, it's similar to Smash Brothers. You've got depth. It's fast, it's frantic, plus you've got all our favourite characters are here. Well, the items in the game make the action loads of fun. So you've got bob green and red shells, the classic Mario Brothers star and mushrooms. Now, it doesn't feel too overwhelming with the number of things going on screen at once. It's busy, but it's manageable. You know, one of the reasons is because the basics of football, they're still very important in the game. You have to pass, shoot and tackle your way to victory. You know, some players like Donkey Kong and Bowser can even pick up the ball in a total disregard of the rules. I should say that Mario Strikers Battle League Football is based on football. Actually, it's a sport in its own right set in the Mushroom Kingdom called Strike. Well, many of your favourite Mario Brothers cast are here. So we've got Mario, Luigi, Princess, Toad, Donkey Kong, Bowser, Wario, Waluigi, and also more too. And I imagine Nintendo released more characters down the line. Each character has their own set of stats, for example. Some are faster, but need more time to charge up shots. Some are heavier, like big old DK himself, you know, who knows how to throw his weight around the field, but he's much slower than the rest. Now, it's similar to the stats and attributes from Mario Kart, and the same principles apply, but in the context of a football match. To boost the stats of characters, you can pick new pieces of equipment, which allow you to boost various stats across the board. Characters have got headgear, pads, body gear, all of which can make a big difference in the way that you play. And as well as having an impact on the stats of the player, the gear also changes the way the players look, which is a very, very good idea. So what you can do when you're playing matches, you can earn coins, and you can spend those coins in the shop to get your gear. Well, hyperstrikes are another defining feature of the game, so these are unique abilities for players that allow you to pull off amazing shots, packed full of special effects, that also award you two goals rather than one. For example, you'll see a glowing orb on the pitch, and you have to pick that up. Do that, and your whole team glows, which allows you to fire off a huge super shot, and they are very, very hard to stop, although not impossible. You know, hyperstrikes range from huge whirlwind from Luigi to Peach simply making the other team fall in love with her so they can score own goals. And the game is mechanically good as a football game, but it's also got personality and charm, much like Princess Peach herself. Well, there's different game modes too. You can play both on and offline. So if you don't want to jump online, then you've got the cup battles where you play in a tournament against AI enemies to try and win the cup. And the tournaments, they're fairly short, but all in good fun. So it's all a good training exercise when you play against other players. And that's really where Mario Strikers comes into its own. Playing with a group of friends really, really spices this game up. And you can play with up to eight players together on a single Nintendo Switch in local co-op play. Yes, that's up to eight players. That's really, really good. It's going to be great taking around to a friend's house and play. Unfortunately, you can't control all the players on the field as the goalies are always AI characters, which would make it a little bit more of a competitive game if you could control them. But goalkeepers aren't the most intelligent of AIs either in the game, leading to easily preventable goals more often than not. So I had a situation the other day where the goalkeeper just simply threw it out to Peach. She jumped up, gave it a bicycle kick, and I was 1-0 down. It was very, very disappointing. Well, back to the game, but the online multiplayer is perhaps the most fun that you can have with the game. You can manage your own strikers club, where you and your friends can take on other clubs to compete in ranked playlists 
and get seasonal rewards. You know, previous titles in the series had very limited online capabilities. You know, this is still Nintendo. They're not really the masters of online. However, with that being said, Mario Strikers is a very good effort. I didn't have any issues connecting with other players or any issues when I was playing the game itself. Now, it feels good. There wasn't much latency and the overall online package for Mario Strikers, I think, is very, very good indeed. Well, Mario Strikers Battle League Football is a great football game with a star-studded Nintendo cast on the Switch. Now, it shares much of the DNA with Super Smash Bros. Ultimate as it does with FIFA. Plus, I think this is actually much better than Mario Golf or Mario Tennis, also found on Nintendo Switch. This is faster, more frantic, it's more fun. You know, throw in a great online system plus gear and reasons to come back time and time again. I think you'll get plenty of value out of Mario Strikers Battle League Football. Well, the game was developed by Nintendo, as published by Nintendo, it's available on Nintendo Switch, and was originally released on the 10th of June, 2022. Well, that is it for my review of Mario Strikers Battle League Football. I think it's absolutely fantastic, and I can see this game being played until the end of the year, and it's going to be interesting to see where this one lands on my top 10 list for the year. At the moment, I reckon it's competing there for top 5. It's really, really good fun, I just really want to keep going back to it. So yeah, definitely recommend. If you are a fan of football and a fan of Nintendo, this is the perfect combination. Definitely recommend you going out there and getting it. We're talking about one game I was looking forward to in the summer to another one, and this one is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. I've been looking forward to this one since it was announced. It's finally been released. So let's take you over to my review of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. One of my best video game memories as a child was I used to go to my friend's house and his dad would fix arcade machines. We spent hours in his garage sitting on stools in front of various machines. So one time I went round there and he said, you know, we've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the arcade. And basically over the weekend we did little else. So Tribute Games clearly has the same love for this classic arcade machine. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge feels like a fan's love letter to that game. And it's available now across pretty much all platforms. I was big into the Turtles when I was a kid, so I still have photos from me from Christmas morning with Turtles action figures. I remember playing the Turtles arcade, Turtles on the NES, which was surprisingly hard. And then also getting the Turtles in time on the SNES, which used the Mode 7 graphics when it came to throwing enemies at the screen. So Shredder's Revenge has been up there on my most anticipated game since it was announced by the same team, that successfully launched Streets of Rage 4 back in 2020. Well, Shredder's Revenge has all the characters and then some. Got Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo and Raphael. Plus I got April, Splinter and Casey Jones as playable characters to support our heroes in a half shell. What's more, you can play up to six players in co-op mode, which is something that I've not seen before. The four-player co-op was common in the arcade with these side-scrolling brawlers like The Simpsons, X-Men and the original Turtles arcade, but six players are above and beyond, and it feels really, really good. This new iteration of the Turtles scrolling beat-em-up adds some new features into the mix as well. It still is quite button-mashy, as are all scrolling beat-em-ups, but you've got combos and challenges to keep things fresh, that adds a modern take on the combat. And as well as the simple attack and jump, you've got a special attack, which can deal loads of damage, plus you've got the dodge move, so you can quickly get out of the way of the attacks and throw players into the screen, much like my beloved Turtles in Time. 
Now each player has an attack meter, which you fill up by attacking and dishing out combos to the Foot Clan. And the aim is to fill the meter to the top, and then you can unleash your super attack. However, if you take damage, then the meter will reset. Super move added to the range of attacks you'll be able to dish out really helps, especially when you come up against bosses. And tribute games don't mess about with the successful formula too much. You know, they are clearly fans of the original games, but there's nice new additions here like the super attacks, interactive environments which can really help you out when you are in a tight spot. There's 16 levels in Treader's Revenge and a nice array of environments. You've got the classic New York streets and sewers, plus jump to the past like Turtles in Time, and Tribute Games have crafted some brand new levels too. For example, one that takes place in a zoo, you have to contend with the escaped animals as environmental factors. Then you've got classic levels when you're on a skateboard, and you have to dodge cars and things like that. So each level has different environmental items you can use for damage, and used to her advantage, and I spent way too much time hitting all the cones on the street level, plus you got the classic fire hydrants too. Broadly speaking though, you got two types of level design, one where you are walking from left to right in a fight, fighting a bunch of the Foot Clan, then ending up with a boss, then you got the other one when you're travelling on a skateboard or a hoverboard, fighting some enemies while trying to avoid cars or other projectiles coming towards you, so it may not be new, but the levels are really well crafted and put together brilliantly in this package. So the soundtrack is one of the best it's going to release in 2022. Includes some of the classic songs from the original game, plus new tracks as well. So artists like Ghostface Killer and Mega Ran have created original tracks for the game, including the new classic Mutants Over Broadway. Their music feels right out of the 90s and is perfectly placed in Shredder's Revenge. Also, the team managed to get the original voice cast back, which is really, really good, and good nostalgia if you are fans of that cartoon. Well, the Turtles are the star of the show, and the developers have done a really good job to make them feel like they've got unique characteristics. So Leo has got his twin katanas, Donnie's got his bow stuff, Mikey's got his nunchucks, and Raphael has his twin Psy. My favourite in the old Turtles game was Donatello. You know, he's a scientist, a computer-loving nerd, but also he had advantage over the others because of the bow staff. He had a longer reach than the rest of the weapons. Here, in Shredder's Revenge, they do have other distinguishing features too, Leo, for example, has a flipping somersault. Mikey can bounce off enemies with dive kicks. Raphael has a Brock Lesnar-style suplex. And Donnie still has a super long reach with his weapon. Splinter, April, and Casey Jones, they're great additions to the cast as well if we want to take a break from the Turtles. You know, Splinter is a martial arts expert and scratches his opponents. April uses her TV camera equipment. And Casey Jones has a range of weapons like a hockey stick or a golf club. Well, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge can be played solo or as a group of players in local co-op or online. So when you play solo, you have a few extra AI players thrown in there for good measure to help you out, and you will probably need it too. The game scales with the difficulty depending on how many players you have in the game, and it doesn't really feel oppressive at all. The difficulty works well, plus you've got the choice of easy, medium, and hard difficulty. There's a couple of ways to play the game. You've got the main campaign mode where you play through each of the levels and select them in an overworld, much like you would in Super Mario 3 or Super Mario World. Then you've got the classic arcade mode, where you only have a certain number of lives, making it feel like the classic arcade days. Now, the game isn't too long. It probably could be completed in roughly two hours or so. And if you've got any sense of nostalgia for the classic arcade titles, I recommend giving it a playthrough. Well, Shredder's Revenge is a fantastic trip down memory lane for fans of scrolling beat-em-ups and mid-90s Turtles culture. 
Yeah, playing through the game took me back to playing the arcade games with friends when I was a kid. Plus getting the Turtles in Time and other classic Turtles games on the NES and the SNES. I don't know what it would be like playing these games without the nostalgia. However, there's modern touches here like the combos and challenges, plus one of the best soundtracks you're going to hear in 2022. So it's also available on Xbox Game Pass and PC, so if you've got that service, you can jump in right away. Well, the game was developed by Tribute Games. It was published by Dotemu. The platforms are Xbox, PC, Switch, PlayStation, and I reviewed this one on PC. And it was originally released on the 16th of June, 2022. Well, that is it for my review of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Absolutely fantastic. A real nostalgia trip and also add something to the scrolling beat-em-up genre as well. Really, really good fun. I reckon this is going to be a high bar for any that has to follow, though I am looking forward if they do decide to re-release the X-Men or maybe even the Simpsons arcade game. They've done Streets of Rage 4. They've done Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Also, we've got the Cowabunga Collection coming out later on in the year. So we're not done yet with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for 2022. That Cowabunga Collection looks really, really good too. Well, that is it for Shredder's Revenge at the moment, but next up, let's have a look at the all-platform charts. Well, number 10 this week, up one place from last week's number 9, is Minecraft. And number 9 this week, it's Pokemon Legends Arceus. That is down three places from last week's number 6. And number 8 this week, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Down three places from last week's number 5. Then at number 7, it's FIFA 22, again down three places from last week's number 4. At number 6, it's Kirby and the Forgotten Land, up five places from last week's number 11. And then at number 5, it's Nintendo Switch Sports, and that is down three places from last week's number 2. At number 4, it is a new entry, this one is The Quarry, and that is from Take-Two Interactive. And then at number 3, it's Horizon Forbidden West, down two places from last week's number 1. And number two this week, it's Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. That is at one place from last week's number three. And at number one is a new entry. It's Mario Strikers Battle League Football. Well, Nintendo doing really, really well in the top ten once again. So Mario Strikers Battle League Football at number one. Nintendo Switch Sports at number five. Kirby and the Forgotten Land at number six. Number eight, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And also number nine, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Number ten as well. Minecraft, that is for Nintendo Switch. So we've got one, two, three, four, five. So six out of ten entries in the top ten for Nintendo Switch. And that just goes to show Nintendo just dominating the top ten and dominating the so-called console wars at the moment is definitely the most popular machine out there. Well, that is it for the all-platform charts. But next up, so Summer Games Fest has been happening over the last couple of weeks. What I'm going to do is round up ten of the best games that I reckon you should get excited about. We've had loads of announcements. So this is going to be a mixture of indie games and also big hitters too. But hopefully you're going to find something in here to check out. So let's get stuck into my 10 games to get excited about from Summer Games Fest. Summer Games Fest 2022 has come and gone. And we've had a few hits and misses this year. Overall, I do think this needs to be condensed into a few days rather than stretched over a few weeks. However, we still had a few announcements to be excited about. And today, I'm going to check out 10 of the best games to get excited about from Summer Games Fest 2022. Well, first up is Metal Hellsinger. 
So originally set to launch in 2021, Metal Health Singer is a rhythm FPS, and you blast your way through hell to the headbanging vocals of artists from Arch Enemy and also Dark Tranquility 2. So now the developers, the outsiders and publisher Funcom, they've decided to move the release to 2022, and I do think it's coming out in September in order to meet the high expectations for the game, and it has been really good. I've heard loads of hands-on impressions from Summer Games Fest, and everyone is absolutely raving about this game. So first announced in June 2020, Metal Hellsinger immediately caught the imagination of gamers and pundits, so it features an immersive and innovative way of incorporating music in games through the use of layered tracks. So each level has its own song, and every song is divided into multiple layers, and your performance impacts how many layers of the song will be played at a time, starting with the atmospheric background music and ending with the powerful metal anthems. Well, next up we have Cocoon. So this one is a brand new offering from Playdead, the studio behind Limbo and Inside. So it's a top-down puzzle adventure set to come out next year, and Cocoon is a unique take on the puzzle adventure genre, where each world exists within an orb that you carry on your back. Wrap your head around the core mechanic of leaping between worlds and combine, manipulate and rearrange them to solve intricate puzzles. Yeah, you can interact with alien environments and biomechanical devices left behind by an ancient civilization and journey through unique and diverse biomes from industrial structures to massive organic caverns and discover how they're connected to one another. Each orb has an ability that can be unlocked and thereby tune the orb into a unique tool for you to utilize within other worlds. Well, next up, this is probably my standout game from Summer Games Fest, and this is WrestleQuest. It's an indie wrestling RPG. So in WrestleQuest, players assume the role of a young wrestling hopeful on his quest to become one of the all-time greats, while he power bombs, slams and suplexes his way to the top. So inspired by the icons like the legendary macho man Randy Savage, our hero must immerse himself in the world of professional wrestling. It's not only going to test his athleticism, but his will and also his conscience too. This one also has some licensed wrestlers in it, so we've got the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Andre the Giant, Jake the Snake Roberts, and also Diamond Dallas Page 2. Well, next one is my first big hitter, and this one is Starfield. So the Xbox and Bethesda conference came to a close with an appearance from Todd Howard and a muchly anticipated update on the space RPG Starfield. In an extended reveal, Bethesda showcased chunks of the gameplay, explorable areas, as well as a robust character creation, skill trees, and also crafting systems. Starfield doesn't have a solid launch date just yet, you know, following the delay, but it's expected sometime in 2023. So yes, this one does look like another Bethesda game, but I reckon it's got real, real promise. So we've got over a thousand planets to explore and a hundred systems, and I reckon if Bethesda get this one right, it's going to be really, really good. So looking forward to this one, I've definitely added it to my watch list. Well, next up we've got Wo Long Fallen Dynasty. The Teen Ninja is currently working on Wolong Fallen Dynasty, a new action title set to release in early 2023. So Wolong is a Souls-like set in China's Three Kingdom period as a collaboration between Teen Ninja and Koek Tecmo, famous for its Dynasty Warriors series. So the game began development following Teen Ninja's Neo, so shares much of its Souls-like DNA. I've got a quote here from Teen Ninja, so they say, Making it a challenging game was something we had decided from the beginning, said producer Yasuda. With all the legendary heroes of the Three Kingdoms period, it can come across as somewhat campy, but in reality, it was a time of war and devastation. 
It was a dark period in which people were constantly fighting, which is a great match for the Souls-like genre. Being set in China, Wo Long is more massive in scale compared to our previous game set in Japan, which allowed us to show a more severe and dark world. Well, the same can be said for the difficulty. There's no doubt this will be an extremely challenging and demanding game, but we come up with new ways to approach that difficulty. So in that regard, players can look forward to a type of satisfaction that wasn't present in earlier Team Ninja titles. So following the huge success of Elden Ring, as well as other Souls-like games this year such as Tunic and Sifu, means high difficulty isn't enough for the game to stand out and catch attention. It needs to balance difficulty and fairness, while also bringing unique elements too. Well, really looking forward to Wo Long. Looks really, really good. And obviously they've got a really great team behind that game. So looking forward to that one coming in 2023. Well, next up, we've got another big hitter and also another hit of nostalgia for me. This one is Street Fighter VI. So announced earlier this year, Capcom showed off their first gameplay for Street Fighter VI. And also loads of people got hands on at the event which Jeff Keighley put on at the Summer Games Fest. And I think that event was called Days of Play. So it looked really, really good. So this one is slated to arrive sometime in 2023. So simpler controls will let you improve your offense and defense. So with good timing, you can unleash attacks with flashy visuals, allowing you to experience the thrill of the fight even more. The engine that powers the drive system is available as soon as the round begins, allowing you to fight to your liking. So if you spend your entire drive gauge, you'll enter a burnout state with a big disadvantage, but it's also going to replenish automatically making meter management key to the fight. Understanding the system in depth, including when to be conservative and when to gamble, allows for deep and high-level battles. Well, Street Fighter VI also offers a new control mode to play without the need to remember difficult command inputs, allowing players to enjoy the flow of battle. So players who are delving into the world of Street Fighter for the first time, or those who haven't touched a fighter game in years, can jump right into the fray. Of course, the traditional control types of the series are still available, for players who enjoy it. So I'm really, really looking forward to Street Fighter VI and loads of fighting fans have managed to get their hands on the game and they say this one is much better than Street Fighter V. Street Fighter V didn't get off to a very good start at all, but it looks like Street Fighter VI is shaping up to be much better, so I'm really, really excited for this one. Well, next up we got Witchfire. So originally announced in 2017, Witchfire received a new trailer and a release window so the dark fantasy first-person shooter is developed by the Astronauts, the Polish indie behind the vanishing of Ethan Carter, and it's going to be available in early access exclusively on the Epic Game Store coming this winter. Look really, really good, that one. Kind of a mixture between Destiny and other kind of first-person shooters. There's a moment in Witchfire when he shoots out flames from his left hand. Really, really reminded me of a Warlock from Destiny 2. So given my history with the Destiny series, I reckon Witchfire is going to be really, really good. Well, next up, we got Cassette Beasts. So although this one was announced a while ago, this one got a demo during Steam's Next Fest. So collect awesome monster forms during a turn-based battle in this indie open-world RPG. So you can combine any two monster forms using Cassette Beast Fusion System to create unique and powerful new ones. So this one is based in the New Wirral, a remote island inhabited by creatures you've only dreamed of, nightmares you hopefully haven't, and a cast of brave folks who use cassette tapes to transform for battle. To find a way home, you need to explore every inch of the island, record monsters to tape, and gain their abilities. Well, next up, we got Final Fantasy XVI, so Square Enix showed off fresh footage from their next mainline entry of its flagship Final Fantasy series, 
and that one has been given a launch window of summer 2023. Definitely recommend you checking out the trailer for this one. Looks really, really good, plus the gameplay looks good too. Looks like it's going to be much more action-orientated, so an iteration on the Final Fantasy VII Remake. So it looks really, really good. And also, talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake, the second part has been announced, and that one is scheduled for winter 2023. Well, finally then today, we've got the Plucky Squire. So storybook characters discover a three-dimensional world outside the pages of their book, must jump between the 2D and 3D realms to save their friends in this charming action adventure. So the Plucky Squire is set to launch in 2023, and it tells the tale of a storybook character that come to life outside their own pages, and this one is made by All Possible Futures. The Plucky Squire really, really got people talking at Summer Games Fest. It was one of the best showing games, and that is adding to a very long list of very good games coming out in 2023. Well, that is it for my roundup of 10 of the best games that you should look forward to from Summer Games Fest in 2022. And what I would do is go over to Steam. There's a whole bunch of demos available right now. It's currently the Steam Next Fest, so you can get your hands on some great demos. So go over there and check them out. But also check out some things from this list. Check out the trailers. You can also see all of the trailers I just mentioned on the This Week in Video Games website. And that is www.thisweekinvideogames.com. You could check out all the trailers I just mentioned. Really, really good stuff. Well, that is it for Summer Games Fest for this year. 2022 is a wrap. Unless Nintendo come back next week with a Nintendo Direct, which is heavily rumoured, by the way. I really, really would love Nintendo to come back and save the summer. I would say the summer so far has been tepid in terms of game announcements. And I think the Xbox and Bethesda showcase probably took it for me. So Sony State of Play was all killer, no filler. But the Xbox and Bethesda Showcase was very, very good too, and Devolver Digital always do a good job. So if you haven't checked out the Summer Games Fest presentations, there's loads to catch up on on YouTube. Definitely recommend checking out Devolver Digital. They always put on a good show. Well, that is it for Summer Games Fest for 2022, but next up, let's check out my first impressions of V Rising. Well, V Rising is a combination of Valheim and Diablo of sorts. You've got all the features of a great survival game, plus some of the great RPG action thrown into the mix. Well, V Rising has got off to a great start in early access, grabbing the attention of some of the top streamers in the world. And today, I'm going to round up my first impressions of V Rising. Well, in V Rising, you play as a vampire, where your kind has been ushered away through forced by humankind, left to fight for scraps. There isn't a great deal of storytelling in the game, it's much more focused on the gameplay at this stage of early access. And a compelling story could be added later on, but for the time being it's a fairly bare bones experience, but I do think that's okay. You know, nail the gameplay loop and then tell the story, but this is a combination of survival and action, so you're going to be gathering resources, building up a base, then you're going to be getting into some fights against low level enemies, building your way up to a boss. So Vampire Valheim is a good description, and I would say V Rising has better combat mechanics. One of your first jobs is to build something called a Blood Altar, and paired with this is a list of tasks, and they are mainly enemies to kill. If you do this, then you unlock new abilities and tech to allow your vampire to build up a better base. Your experience in V Rising is going to vary depending on whether you play with friends or solo. For example, gathering resources and materials 
is a fairly slow process solo, so if you've got a bunch of friends to hang out with or even do it for you, well that makes the whole process go much faster and definitely is much more fun. That doesn't mean though you can't play solo, you definitely can, although you're going to have to set up processes for the gathering and the refining of materials. You know, gathering and refining materials is a big part of V-Rising at the moment and perhaps this is going to change and evolve as the game goes through the early access process. It starts out fun but quickly descends into repetition if you're not careful and you have to wait for the refining processes to complete and that means you're going to be off out gathering and collecting more in no time at all. For those who like these survival games then you will be in your element, for those who don't enjoy this type of survival may get turned off quite quickly. But if you do end up playing solo you can sweet talk NPCs to help you out and that takes some of the sting out of the gathering, collecting and also the refining too. Well there is a PvP element to the game if you play on public servers, so you can take on other vampires and attack enemy castles, and combat in the game is really really good fun. It feels responsive and it reminded me of Diablo and Lost Ark in terms of skills and abilities. Well, the feel of the combat is really good too, which is so important, especially when you're often completing repetitive tasks. Games like this can live and die on the feel of the combat, as most players will part with repetition if the game feels good, and you get your power fantasy. Well, here you're taking on the role of a vampire. Personally, I'd much rather do less collecting and have a bunch of underlings do it for me, but perhaps this is later on in the game and I simply haven't got to that bit yet. But back to the combat, you know, it feels good and you can build your vampire in a variety of ways to cater for different playstyles. For example, if you want to focus on healing, you can definitely do that. Well, the boss battles are a big part of V-Rising and thankfully these are really good fun, well designed and have good mechanics, plus they feel challenging too. So you've got archers, hunters, necromancers, even bears. So you've got a good variety of bosses with different mechanics. There's roughly 35 bosses in the game at the moment, which is pretty big for an early access game. And the bosses really are the meat of V-Rising combat, and the main event even, so I'm glad they are tough, fun and engaging. Well, the environment is interesting too. We've got a day and night cycle, and it's in your interest to hide during the day and come out at night because the sun, well, as a vampire, that definitely isn't your friend. Stay in the sun too long and your health will start to deplete, so it is possible to move around in the daytime, but you have to be much more careful and pay attention, whereas at night you can move about more freely. And it's night time when you really start to live the vampire fantasy, and you've got the blood meter, which needs to be topped up regularly, so that serves as your health, and you'll want to replenish your blood often. Different enemies have different blood too, and that gives you a certain short-term ability, like high damage resistance and other benefits as well. Blood quality is a large factor in these bonuses, so the better quality the blood, the better the bonus. So hunting and gathering is a large part of E-Rising, as we've talked about, but also you've got the base building too. You've got a castle which you can develop, you can decorate it and generally build it up to be the best looking vampire castle it can be, and then you've got loads of cosmetic items that you can add to your castle, plus you've got treasure chests that you can recycle items into and make materials, so it's really, really good fun, and you can see this part of the game be developed even more in the future. For now, though, it's just enough to keep me coming back for more. Well, V-Rising is an early access hit with audiences. Personally, I don't seem to get a well too long with survival games, so I don't think it's going to be a long-term game for me. However, if you want to live out your life as a blood-sucking vampire, hunting victims in the night while also building up your vampire castle, then you really can't go wrong with V-Rising. So it's an early access at the moment, it's gained a bunch of traction, and I can see this one only getting better with time. 
I would say it's a better experience with friends, as this could be a great social hub of a game. You know, resource management could do with some work, however the core loop is good, and the combat feels great. The team have nailed the basics, and now it's time to work with their audience on feedback, and V-Rising could be a hit when it releases its full 1.0 version in the coming months or years to come. Well, the game is developed and published by Stunlock Studios, is available for PC and originally released on May the 17th in early access. And a massive thank you to Stunlock Studios for providing me with a review key for early access. Really, really appreciate it. So definitely recommend going on over to Steam, getting yourself V-Rising. And also, the game works really, really well on the Steam Deck too. So definitely recommend you picking it up for that. Well, that is it for my first impressions of V-Rising. Definitely recommend checking that one out, especially if you are in a group of friends and you like survival games, you can't really go wrong with V-Rising. Well, I've talked a bit today about Steam's next fest, but next up, I'm going to go to a new game from one of my favourite studios out there. It's Wadgetite Games. They create fantastic narrative games. Now, I'm really, really excited for this one, and this has been featured as part of Steam's next fest. So next up, I'm going to bring my first impressions of Old Skies. Wadgetai Games are the masters of point-and-click adventure games, so when they announce a new project, I'm definitely the first to jump in and try it out. So during Steam's Next Fest 2022, Wadgetai Games have a demo available for their next game called Old Skies. Well, today, I'm going to bring you my first impressions. Well, Old Skies follows in the footsteps of other great narrative adventure games from Wadgetai Games, like Unavowed, Techno Babylon, and the Blackwell series. So Old Skies levels up the graphics, the music and the audio work to new heights, helping make Old Skies even better than the games that have come before it. It's a very good looking game, the characters and the environments pop, whereas some of the games before have existed in very dark worlds, not only thematically but also by design. Regarding the story, we play as Fear, an agent for a company called Chronozen, and they offer a service where you can see into the past, with Fear acting as your guide. So Chronozen offer this service at a great cost, most often from a wallet perspective, but also for other reasons too, which you're going to find out as you play through Old Skies. Characters in the game approach Chronozen for a variety of reasons. Now, some go for tourism purposes, some want to conclude matters in the past, and in the demo for Steam's Next Fest, you get to play as Fear in a first assignment, but in the full game, there's going to be a number of stories. Fear does seem a little bit disgruntled by her work, she seems to be tied by her rich clients and the taxing nature of the work. That comes across in the brilliant voice acting. So Wadgetai Games always bring their characters to life with amazing actors and Old Skies is no different. Fia has to balance the customer services role, looking after the clients and making sure she doesn't mess with these strands of time, plus also leaving them satisfied if possible so they may come back to Chronozen in the future. Well, from a gameplay perspective, Old Skies is a point-and-click narrative adventure game, so you're going to be gathering items, reading dialogue and collecting clues from NPCs, you know, environments are there to be explored, and other characters are there to be interrogated, plus you've got plenty of puzzles to solve. The puzzles aren't obtuse, but they're not obvious either, and they're also not too simplistic, so they had me challenged but not to the point of frustration. There's always a delicate balance in narrative games like this, and Old Skies appears to be right on the money in the demo. The puzzles also work seamlessly with the narrative, you know, sometimes it can feel a little bit disjointed if you're taken from the main narrative beats to take on a puzzle, 
but both the gameplay and the narrative are woven together here really well, making this a seamless experience. Well, the demo offers a great preview of Old Skies, and I'd recommend trying it out. If you're a fan of the genre, then I'd go ahead and put it on your Steam wishlist, as this one promises to be a great addition to Wadget Eye Games' back catalogue. As well as the excellent gameplay in the demo, the Wadget Eye offer up some developer commentary, which offers some insights into the development of the game, the design, the execution, so there's an option to play the demo with the commentary on and off. So the demo is worth a couple of playthroughs at least, if you're a fan of Wadget Eye's work. Plus, if you're interested in knowing more about game development and the process, this insight is absolutely invaluable. Well, Old Skies is the next game from Wadget Eye Games, and I remember seeing Dave Gilbert speak at Adventure X in 2019, where he gave a talk on a game jam that saved his soul. Well, this appears to be the product of that game jam, and it's great to see Dave and the Wadget Eye team creating games once again. Yeah, they've published some excellent games in the last few years, like Strangeland, but this one is a return to form for the team, and I, for one, am very, very excited about Old Skies. Well, that is it for the moment for Old Skies, but next up, let's have a look what we've got coming out in the next few weeks. Well, on June the 21st, we've got Fall Guys. That is coming free to play. PlayStation 5, Xbox Series S Next, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Basically, that one is being relaunched. Then we've got Shadowrun Trilogy. That is also coming out on June the 21st, PS5, Xbox Series S Next, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and the Switch. Also on the 21st, we've got Wreckfest, that's coming to Switch. And then on the 23rd, we've got Deliver Us the Moon, that's PS5 and Xbox Series S and X. On the 23rd, we've got Naraka Blade Point, that one is coming to Xbox Game Pass via Xbox Series S and X. And then we've got Sonic Origins, that's PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC also on the 23rd. On the 24th, we've got the Capcom Fighting Collection, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Then we've got Fire Emblem Warriors 3 Hopes. That's coming to Switch also on June the 24th. Also on the 24th, we've got Madison on PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Switch, and PC. And then on the 28th, we've got Gear 6 Complete, and that is PS5, PS4, and PC. Also on the 28th, I know a lot of fighting fans are looking forward to this one, it's DNF Duel. That's PS5 and PS4 and PC. Then also on the 28th, we've got Escape Academy, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series S and X, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. And then we've got Phobia, St. Diffner Hotel. That's PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Also on the 28th there. And the final one on the 28th, we've got MX vs. ATV Legends, PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. On the 30th of June, we've got Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. That is the DLC for the very popular Monster Hunter Rise, available on Switch and PC. And on the 30th as well, we've got the Outriders World Slayer DLC, PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC. I did play Outriders quite a lot, but to be honest, I don't think I'm going to be going back. It just doesn't really sustain me. Finally, before the next podcast, going into July, on July the 1st, we've got F1 2022. Well, that is going to be it for this week's episode. And if you want to get involved in the show, get in contact through Patreon at patreon.com forward slash this week in video games or check out the latest on the website. Or you can catch me on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast. Well, thank you so much for listening and for more this week in video games content like this. Like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts on the feed. Well, thanks again. I'll see you soon. <laughs>